um, Samuel AP here. And today I am, um, yeah, joined by a um, special guest. Um, I would say, personally, he's probably um, the most knowledgeable Liverpool fan on Twitter, in my opinion. Um, yeah, we've got Vish um, on Twitter. He's also known as Zone Occupation, I believe. Um, Vish, man, how you doing, man? How you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, squeeze. Sam's Sam's gassing a bit, but I mean, yeah, I think it's it's it'll be we we can have a good conversation about the game and what happened and stuff going forward. So yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to get started. I'm excited to to get the brain juices flowing. All right, cool. No worries. No right, cool. So yeah, so literally in this episode, we're literally gonna recap um, post match analysis on the Arsenal game. Um, yeah, obviously. We came out 3-1 losers. Um, and I think um, probably going into the game, I think, I don't know about you, Vish, but I think for me, um, going into the game, um, I always suspected or, you know, I, I always, like, um, knew or suspected that, like, a game like this against Arsenal was possible. However, because of, mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. of the, the psychological um, boost that we got from... Klopp um, leaving and obviously that um, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that mentality that we all um, had together. Yep. So I kind of thought, all right, cool, maybe, yep. maybe there's a chance that we can, you know, go above the tactics and on basically go above yep. Fury and basically, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What's your initial thoughts on the game? How were you feeling before the game? Um, and yeah, like, did you were you surprised? Were you um, yeah, like, yeah, tell me what are your thoughts on the game, just in general. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I'd been thinking about this game for a bit. Um, I had, I mean, I think everyone had kind of known that coming into it, like, I, I don't think anyone had, I mean, no one really thought of this, obviously, as like a title deciding game or even a game where, um, like, we would get like this huge, massive insight onto one of these two teams dropping out of the race. Um, Cause I, like realistically, even if Arsenal didn't get a win, I still think they would have had enough um, just within the completeness of their tactical setup to come back. So I don't think it was like a deciding game by any means. I think what it was is it was a really good chance for, either of the teams to kind of test their own tactical evolutions, I guess more so in our case, because, you know, Arteta from the beginning has had a very defined solid plan about what he's wanted. Like he's had very focused, directionally focused recruitment on the type of setup that he wants. So I guess, um, you know, for them, it was all about, the culmin I feel like for them it was almost like a culmination of their work over the past four or five years coming into this game um and seeing how they would you know how they would stand up particularly in in the chaotic kind of aspect of these kind of games and the more transition based aspect of these games um how they would able how they were able to hold up against our back four um I mean we can talk about how their back four was able to hold up against our attack and obviously there was huge injury concerns for us and the thing is there were injury concerns with them too that kind of not brought down the level of the game but I think it made both teams have to make certain adjustments um and 
what stemmed from the game itself was a product of which team was able to adjust better and which team was able to execute their plan B, if you will, um, slightly better. And I had looked at this game as a huge test, probably the ultimate test besides maybe City Away, of our ability to, um, you know, control games on the ground because even before this, even before um, the Salah injury news happened, um, obviously there was a chance he would have still been in AFCON, but I mean, there was always obviously also a big chance that he would have been back for this game. Um, But even before the injuries with Salah and Darwin, I was already thinking about how, you know, they have players like Ben White, a player like Saliba, uh, players like Gabriel, um, before the Tommy, I don't, I don't remember how long Tommy Asu has been injured for, injured for, but even um, thinking about Tommy Asu and how alongside with Rice and Party, their ability to defend transitions and to control chaotic game states with just how physical they are. And, you know, on top of how physical they are also like the tactical attention to detail and, you know, the sub principles within that more chaotic aspect. So I knew that our, you know, traditional game plan of like, I mean, you know, direct attacks and then counter pressing underneath to sustain them. You know, I'd, I had already kind of had the idea that, you know, that would be an extremely difficult game plan to execute here um, or here as in at the Emirates against physical profiles that they had. So for a while, I had already thought about how, you know, we would have to really be brave, technically um, impose ourselves on the ball. Um, and that, that, that was what my main concern coming into this game was from a distance. It was, you know, how are we going to be able to play this game on the ground as well as in transition? Because we know how good we are in transition, but we also have to acknowledge how good they are at defending transitions. So, you know, if you look at the two, the two as like transition units, if you will, their attacking transition unit, their defensive transition unit versus our attacking and defensive transition units, you know, there's, it, it doesn't, I mean, I would say at our best, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think ours is better. But like, I think that given how good they are at defending them, given the profiles that they have and given their coaching, I think that it would have been hard for us to execute the success of that anyway. So yeah. I had been thinking for a while about control on the ground and especially after the Salah injury, especially after Darwin's not starting, like mm-hmm. I knew that if we wanted to have any hope in this game, it would have to be through control because I wasn't really confident of winning a transition battle against Arsenal, even without Partey and Tomiyasu. Um, I wasn't really confident going into that with Maka as a six physically um, from a defensive point of view, and obviously attacking-wise, no Salah, no Darwin against their back four, even with Zinchenko, it's still a huge, huge, huge ask for us to be consistently successful against that. So, um, yeah, and even after the injuries, I think my concerns were just compounded by by those. So that's 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 kind of what I was thinking heading into this game. And also, like, it's it's not also just been this game. I know it's stuff that you have been mentioning, I've been mentioning, other people have been mentioning for a long time is our always going to be... So you've caught there for a second. You know, there's going to be games that are, are just stale 3pm 
on a Saturday at an away game at an away ground where you know we're gonna have to figure out sorry Vish you how to play because we second. you caught out there you said um just before you spoke about you said about about um how me and you how me you and and other people have been speaking about and then you cut from there so you're gonna just pick back up what you're saying yeah so i mean like people have been talking about our control issues for a long time basically yeah um they kind of stem from a bunch of things that i'm sure we'll go into um but yeah it was it wasn't just this game that brought about the question of control it's something that i'd been thinking about for a while and this game was kind of like uh, like this could be the game where it's like we actually see how bad or not bad, but how below par we are in that much thing. worse we are than the other two. All right, cool. Um, cool. Um, just just for just for like um like um uh context, I'm I'm gonna read out some stats from the game just so our listeners can like mm-hmm. listen um and understand the. I I don't wanna you know like. Uh, brag on about how we got beat and how badly it was, but just for context. So, for Footmob, and by this stat is from Footmob. Uh, Footmob. Um, our times G was zero point three seven, and Arsenal's was three point five zero. Um, my other stats are from Mark Stats. He's on um Twitter. Um, just for context, um, in case anyone's wondering where I got my information from. Um, so our times G. Um, this is by Mark Stats was zero point four one. So not much different from. Foot mob and also had two point one five. Um, I think there must have been some issues with how each um person calculated it. But again, there's a big discrepancy between the times G uh, possession. We had more possession, fifty seven point four to Arsenal's forty two point six. But we'll get onto why that was. I think we both have answers for that. Filter was probably where it comes out. Filter sixty point eight percent for Arsenal and thirty and and thirty nine point two percent for Liverpool. And here's where you would expect, and even though, and to be fair as well, Liverpool didn't have their best um, transition unit, like you said, and so this one was a bit, it it, it was a bit um, understandable. So, Arsenal had five turnovers, which led to two shots, and we had one turnover, one, sorry, so Arsenal had five high turnovers, which led to two shots, and we had one high turnover, which led to no shots. So, we can see how from especially from the turnover stats so we've had one high turnover and and none and obviously that that didn't result in a shot also had five which resulted in two shots and so we can see how ineffective our press was against their build-up just by the high turnovers um and also just another interesting thing to note is that we can see that um i know it when i first watched the game that um it's funny because we actually had arsenal we had a lot of we had a lot of um, pointless um, possession w- within the game. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. I think they were happy to mm-hmm. to allow us to pass the on the back. I, I think. Um, I think. Obviously, I'll get your opinion on this, but I think just from a build up point stand, just from a, just from a build up point um, standpoint, I think that um, the aim from Liverpool. I think, especially when um, you know we use for for, for moments of the game, we, we use. McAllister as a single pivot and one thing that I saw was that we would um also we'll obviously press in a with a front two obviously with um Havertz and Odegaard and I think obviously Trent would technically he's part of the back four but he's technically played as a right wing back in those high-ish middle zones 
in that right back, right wing back zones. And then so it was essentially a back three slash back four, depending on if you want to count um, Allison. But one thing that, um, and I think we we done this to great effect against Chelsea was um, passing the ball around the back and essentially waiting for those little spaces to open to feed in McAllister. I think I think I noticed in the Chelsea game that yeah. um, Van Dijk was really good at um, you know using his body to to um, yeah. to um, deceptively pass the ball. I think especially with, with his left foot. Those passes just inside, um, so that McAllister can receive and 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 then from there just go. I think that that was really that really helped against Chelsea, and I think that that was uh-huh. a, against Arsenal, especially when we used him as a single pivot, and then you would see maybe Gomez essentially would wait for the ball. Once the ball left our first line and it, let's say it, it got to McAllister or whoever, then he would invert. This was in the first half, by the way. Then he would invert um, to try create an angle. Essentially, you can like floating uh, around there to to um, to create an angle for um, him and McAllister t- t- to combine. But I think the issue with that was was once um, obviously Gomez receiving on that side isn't um, quite optimal. He isn't um, left footed. He uh, he isn't quite a free sixty player, like I, I would say. So he was, I I, I think, um, I think it was either um, Jorginho, I think it was, or maybe Rice. They would always approach him from his yeah. right. Is it he, his left side? So he no, is it right or left side? Yeah, I think he would. Okay, whatever. He they they would approach him from a specific side, and obviously knowing that he doesn't mm-hmm. have that he doesn't have quite have the angles yeah yeah, to turn and so we struggled to find that advantage using that that um tactic but yeah tell me what your thoughts on on that on that tactic and even our build up in general um and I think and obviously we'll get to the change with Jones dropping in and and changing to a 4-2 at times or whatnot but just about trying to use that 3-1 slash 2-2 build up against their 4-2-2 against their 4-4-2 sorry how now what were your thoughts on that Yeah. So, I mean, I think that with that, a lot of what I noticed was basically we would try to find the inside initially um, with McAllister. Uh, And the thing with Arsenal is we're looking at basically, you know, the best out of possession team, like probably in the world. So their ability to recognize which spaces need to be blocked their ability to recognize when they have to jump as a unit, um, whether that's a line, whether that's a collection of three or four players. Uh, I noticed, and I'll move on to the Gomez inversion too, because that's part of it. Um, But a lot of what I noticed is the initial struggle um, to access the inside. One, because initially we were underloaded um, when we'd start, you know, just a base when we just start in a base, like from goal kicks, like whatever, four, three, three, um, we wouldn't be able to access the center and find McAllister because their front two did an incredible job of screening, um, screening that central pocket because of just how well coached they are. Um, Havertz's physicality also helped with this a little bit, um, just generate like momentary seconds, um, here and there. And those have a big impact on our ability to like 
receive in a optimal body position or to get a pass off one second quicker when there's a gap to be exploited. Um, so it was, I think initially it was how good and compact their first line was specifically the two of Odegaard and Havertz. Um, I think, and I'm going to actually touch on the Jones arrival before I go to Gomez. Um, Cause I think when the ball was on the, when the ball was on the, when the ball was on the left initially, um, I noticed that Jones did come low quite a bit. There were times when he was able to overload and when he wasn't followed. Um, but there were a lot of times when he was followed by Rice and they would initiate like a man-to-man pressing phase when the ball would hit Jones and it would go to Jones. Um, and, you know, we just didn't, at that point, we just, two things weren't good enough. We didn't arrive into the pocket that Rice would leave open when he jumped to Jones and followed him because there's a space that opens up on our left-hand side. And I tweeted about this in the game quite a bit, but there was like a big issue with our ability to occupy the left pocket. Um, and, you know, I'll talk better. I'll, I'll talk more about it. Um, but it got, I mean, it got a little better in the second half, but initially in the first half when we were trying to build up, Jones would arrive. Um, initially he would be free, but then Rice would follow him, close down the free man advantage, and they would initiate a man-to-man phase, and we weren't able to, you know, arrive in that left pocket to either create a second overload or, um, you know, if they followed whoever it was that arrived into that pocket, it would just be one less player in their last line. Um, and we would have, you know, more optimal conditions to attack man to man wise. Um, so I think we struggled a bit with that, um, from goal kicks and from really deep phases, which is why, uh, I think we struggled to progress play um from goal kicks and stuff and then if you moving on to the gomez inversion like we used i i like i noticed this in the game and the timing of it was just completely off like usually that inversion is solely for the purpose of like for example i'll I'll talk about a successful implication of it against fulham um in the second half, I don't remember if this was Fulham or Chelsea. Um, I think it was Fulham in the second half and then also Fulham away in the cup. So Fulham second half at home and then Fulham away in the cup. Um, the way that we, or the way that elite teams want to play now, obviously they want to be able to access the center of the pitch um, between both the midfield and defensive lines and the midfield and forward lines. And a lot of the times we would have struggle uh we would have a struggle to access the center um in terms of the pocket between the midfield line and their attacking line um so usually where the six would operate well sorry just for clarification just for listeners so basically you mean that space just in between the back line and the backs of the midfield line basically that that's the space they're talking about that we struggle to yeah 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 Pretty basically, pretty much, yeah. And so, what a lot of teams do to block that is instead of using a front two to press, they'll use one person, use one player to press the center back, force them to one side, and then have like the ten sitting underneath, like man marking that pocket. And what the Gomez inversions do is he would arrive when the ball went wide on the right, and so um, 
he wouldn't be followed all the way by the right winger. The right winger would just push on to the to our left center back. Um, okay. Yeah. And so what that would do is like you see this. So for example, if you put the ball to Trent right now, for example, so okay. if you gave the ball to Trent on the right, he's pressed by a left wing. He's pressed by a left winger. And then what would happen is Havertz would be on Kanate, Odegaard would be on McAllister as the six, and then we would have like an interior coming in to stop their pivot from being able to jump, and then Gomez would overload where uh, overload Odegaard where McAllister is. So there would be a two v one on the ten, and we'd use that to rotate to the other side and progress progress overload, play that way. So to so overload with McAllister and Grant basically is what you're saying here basically. So no, so it would be Grav is like. So um, gra- what Grab would actually be doing is what we see uh, Shabazzlai do a lot. He'll make that like wide okay. run okay. to drag out to drag out. In this case, it's their left pivot, which is Jorginho. So he would make that wide diagonal run. And he'll Jorginho follow. would c- kind of follow, and then McAllister would have to move into that space. Oh, and no. then so what would happen here is Odegaard would follow, and so if that happens, then Gomez would be right there to collect it and still be able to progress play yeah. from that side. Right, so that's that's meant to be the optimal use of our inversion of Gomez um, and Trent when he does it on the right. Sometimes we use it with Trent a little bit different, um, but that is what the purpose of this Gomez inversion is: is to be able to access the center um, when the ball goes wide on the far side. Right. The problem with us is that we tried to one. We initially tried to access the center with just McAllister, which obviously didn't work because their front two are compact. Yeah. We tried to access it with Jones coming in. They just followed with Rice and went man-to-man, so they blocked it then. Yeah. We would also try to a- access the center in a third way through g- these Gomez inversions. Um, these inversions happen more and obviously closer towards the middle of the pitch rather than obviously when we were like building up from our own goal kicks and box and stuff. Um, but these basically just became like zonal rotations between Gomez and Jones, because what would happen is Gomez would go inside, not when our right back got the ball and there was capacity to overload the center, but he would go inside when like the ball went to like Van Dyke or something on the left. Yeah. 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 And like, yeah, we like, there would be, so there would be two things that would happen. There would be either no option or the left on the left, or Jones would have to be the option on the left. And then it basically just became a four-two build-up shape, yeah. and they could just stay stay in their four-two-four zonally, and it was literally just it it was the same it was the same shape like nothing was changing it was just changing Gomez's and Jones's position. If we think about the second way we tried to access the center, which was through the Jones arrival, um, when we did it with Gomez, what we were doing is we were basically saying, okay, you know, instead of Gomez on the left and Jones coming central, what we're going to do is we're going to play on the right. And then we're going to try and rotate it back through the left. But instead of trying to find Gomez when it's on the right, we're going to wait till we come back on the left and then try to access Gomez, which by that point was too late. Their team had already gained some gained some advantage by shifting over already. So the chance to even get inside or the chance to exploit that space when it's kind of big was already gone because... You know, they had had like already a few seconds of being able to recover horizontally. But okay. then it would just it would just be a rotation between Jones and Gomez. So it was the same. It was it was like that didn't really do anything like it was kind of a useless rotation. And the fact that we were honestly just making it worse for ourselves because we were putting a worse player centrally with the ball. Um, and he would just be pressed by Rice 
Um, Saka would stay on the right. He wouldn't follow. And then he would just press Jones when Jones, or he would be responsible of the, of the zone that Jones was occupying. So the Gomez inversions really were completely unsuccessful. Is, is that what you're saying? So when the ball's on the far side, that is when the Gomez, the Gomez um, inversion works, when you can essentially drag um, their players across the pitch and then open up space in the middle for, for Gomez exactly. to receive and then go from there. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Perfect. All right. The problem with yeah, yeah. Go no, no, um, sorry, go ahead, bro. Go ahead, bro. Sorry. No, I was, but but that's all I was really gonna say. So our buildup of the goal, and you know, I, I want to touch this back to something else that I've been thinking about regarding our buildup. Um, but it, it seems like it, it was, it felt almost like a lazy implementation. Like it was like, okay, you know what? we gain a successful buildup by dropping Jones as a plus one and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like we had come out with. And, you know, if you want to include the Gomez inversion in that, it, it, I mean, it just kind of falls under the same umbrella of plus one centrally and that's good. You know, it's not really work. Because the thing with Arsenal is, you know, again, some teams like fine, that might work. But the thing is, Arsenal, they're like, they're always two steps ahead tactically like you make a decision to move a player into a certain zone that you think is going to gain an advantage they've already thought about how to negate that advantage and how to jump to that player while also defending the space that um the player who jumps to would leave so like you have to think more than just one one movement head personally what i thought we should have done from the start which is what we did from the beginning uh or which is what we did in the second half um, I personally think after Jones dropped low, uh, we should have had a second player ready to come really low. And we did have that. So basically in general, the principle of like occupying and receiving in the pockets was a lot more prevalent in the second half. Whereas in the first half, and this is what I'm going to touch on. It almost felt like, okay, if Jones isn't free in the buildup, we're just going to go long. Yeah. And like, there's you you can sit here and say you know what fine we're a transition based team like we do that that's our game plan but two things the injuries that we have we are already going to take a huge hit at being able to do that two there was still there was still scope for us to improve or better optimize the conditions of our forwards to attack the last line all we had to do was just drop an extra player like it really like wasn't wasn't like i don't i don't know why it was so hard to get that left-hand side pocket occupation right from the beginning. But, I mean, we fixed it in the second half and it got a little better. But in terms of the first half buildup, like, yeah, against yeah. a team like Arsenal who are compact vertically and horizontally, you need to be you, you need to have a perfect buildup, basically. Mm-hmm. And we're far from being able to have that. And without our man-to-man weapons, like, it was always going to be a huge struggle going up against them. Um, and la- last thing, actually, spacing-wise – like if you if you watch the game a lot during settled play, um, we were just doing a lot of stale recycling because they were, you know, you, you mentioned the possession thing, and you know a lot of people m- might have found it interesting um, how people talk about Arsenal controlling the game, but we had more possession. But realistically, like they were controlling the game out of possession for a long time yeah. when we were in possession. Like what we would what we would do is we would use our two two build up. And 
like we would put everyone else like on the last line no <laughs> one's arriving no one's like trying to provide a solution we're just dumping everyone on the last line and being like okay knock it they would just they would just like be compact in their zonal phase and then when the ball went to a certain trigger which was like i think a lot of the times it was van dyke and ibu as center backs yeah. they would press the two, they would press our two center backs with the front two and they would press our pivot with their pivot and there was so much space between their defensive line and their midfield line. There was so much space there for any type of arrival, any type of solution to be provided, but we didn't. And we made it very easy for them to just drop their back six. And it was basically, you know what? Arsenal's back six against our front six. They'll win that given the injuries that we have. So we were never going to be successful with the build-up plan that we came in with. Um, and so we weren't able to like consistently arrive into their half and create chances for us that way. Um, and, you know, it's an interesting first half stat. We had a lot of possession. Um, but if I look at the specifics here, actually, um, in the first half, we had, we had, you know, more passes than them. Um, we had more possession, but they had 20, they had 20 more passes in our half. So, a lot, a lot more of their possession was in our half, which means they were basically able to bypass our first line very quickly, arrive into our half. Um, and, you know, I have to give us credit. Like, obviously, our defensive setup is still really good. Like, our compactness, you know, ha- is, is, is still has the potential to be really good. But um, yeah. Yeah. it's against and Arsenal. Even, and even when you look at even the field tool, 68% for them and 39 mm-hmm. for us so you can see how they were able to really play in half um just one yeah, exactly so just wanted to jump now um to our um to our pressing structure mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. we use the 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 famed 4141 uh with essentially mm-hmm. leaving maca on his own on that island um yeah. although, although this time around i'm actually no all um this time around if you notice against c when we played them at the Etihad, if you remember, that straight line was horrific, especially when we 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 we, we would jump yeah, it was terrible. and then and then Maka would be by himself having to mark two players. Um, mm. if, but this time around, I think that was better. I think the vertical combatness was definitely definitely better. I think I saw um times where, let's say Jones would step out to press maybe Rice, for example, you would mm. see. McAllister shift across and then Grav would um, sit in and basically make mm-hmm. a pivot behind him. So I was really, yeah. I was okay. I, I, I was happy, you know, with that because I think that was something that I was, um, although they did still manage to generate, and I think even their goal, uh, the mm-hmm. goal, the first goal, they were able to, you know, find a way around that. But in general, I think the vertical compactness of our build up in that instance was okay. But obviously, there were clear issues to do that. So obviously, just take us through. Um, obviously, actually, no, we've got a minute left on this call. So we're, what we're going to do, I'm going to remake the call. Then we'll start from there again. Is that cool? Okay. Yeah, totally. Totally. Sounds good. In... All right, cool. Yeah, cool. we're back here now. Um, yeah, so we're literally now about to talk about the 4-1 press. Um, yeah, take it from here, bro. Literally, take us what happened. Um, yeah, what were the successes? Because I do think that we were able to, especially at times during, during the first half, 
we were able to restrict them to long balls and we were able to win those long balls. And I think, I can't remember what minute it was, but I think there was a period of time in the second half where we had a bit of possession in their final third. Mm-hmm. We didn't create much. We didn't obviously generate much. But I think, um, you know, if, let's say, we had not to even use a copper, but let's say if it was a Salah or a Spotlight or, or a Nunes available, um, I think we would be able to, to to generate a bit more from um, mm-hmm. that we were able to make the goal long at times. Now, cool. So, yeah, talk to me what happened. The 4 and 4 build-up. Um, Klopp seems to love it. Um, he loves to have the H jumping out. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah, talk us through what happened. Yeah, so yeah, so I was looking at this yesterday, and I think I have a good idea of of kind of what happened when they were building up. Um, so you know, with our pressing structure, how it works is we have the front three um, who are meant to be like the initial line of engagement. Um, like Linders has talked about, how they have to be prepared to defend multiple players yeah. at a numerical disadvantage and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> And then we have the, I, mean, I think before um, it was just in general, the block of seven as a total, like plugging the gaps behind that appeared. I think now it's different. Um, I think we're much more willing to use the eights to jump as yeah. a part of that front three pressing unit, um, which has implications for our six, which I'll go over. Um, but basically like in this game, Arsenal came out with a pivot of Rice and Jorginho, um, yeah. and they have Zinchenko as a left back. Yeah. So in- instantly, you're looking at you're looking at a buildup that has Saliba, uh, Ben White, Zinchenko, Raya um, as well. Raya, you know, we have Jorginho. Rice is like fine enough on the ball. Yeah. Um, Gabriel is good on the ball as a left, you know, with the left footed angles. But so basically, like what. What they, and you brought up the City game, and I think it's important to talk about this because I think that when we were able to find ourselves in situations in wide areas in their buildup where we were able to actively engage them, um, I think I think there was times when, you know, we were able to block the center enough to where we denied access to it. But, like, as a whole, to be completely honest, like, I just think their buildup was just too good for our press. Like at the end of the day, what happened a lot is, and this is what city. So I'll go through how city usually de like deconstruct our buildup. Basically what they'll do is they'll drop, um, they'll drop players in front of, or in front of our first line. So the first line initially immediately, like it's extremely hard for them to defend multiple players when those players are in front of them. Like when the players are behind them, they can jump to them with those players behind them in their cover shadow, right? So they can defend two players at once. But when those players come in front of them, um, for example, you know, we look here, if we have a, if we have a, a three, two build up against our uh, four, four, one, four, one. So um, Gabriel left uh, wide center back like that. Yeah. So hypo, hypo, hypothetically something like this, right? Oh. Um what they would do was they would consistently bring Jorginho and Rice either side of Saliba close. So they would bring him close to Saliba. So what that would do is basically they were able to progress play incrementally whilst being able to negate our ability to jump. Because at that point, the distance is too large to jump. 
Um, like Graven Birch can jump there, but the distance that McAllister has to cover is really, really large. And then in this game, there were points where we dealt with the timing of our jumps and McAllister's coverage well. I think the success of that was more so due to moments when the ball was on the near side and McAllister was on the near side ready to jump to their interior and Gravit already pushed to the pivot. Um, but I think what ended up happening a lot in those situations is we were basically man-to-man um, kind of in the build-up. So what would happen is they would they would build up in kind of like sometimes it would be four, two, sometimes it would be three, two. Um, But what they would do is they would play to the near side to get McAllister to have to, so they would progress play incrementally so they could get forward a bit, play to the near side so that McAllister had to come out and block that pocket. And then what they would do is they would instantly switch to the other side. And then here's where they had the advantage is because if we think about all those times that we've watched us play three, two fives and we watched our six have to cover two interiors. That's the same thing that was happening, but basically what they were doing was they were taking their interior and they were just moving him diagonally wide. So what you would see a lot in this game is um, a buildup of three, two uh, our front three and our front and our two eights man to manning um, their pivot. Okay. McAllister. He has on white gap on Gabriel. And then you've got Jota trying to do something on Saliba, and you've got Jones on Rice and Graham Burch on Jorginho, essentially. Right. So right. what would happen is Rice and Jorginho dropping low to help Saliba, that oh. forces our eights, that yeah. forces our eights to have to come out and press. And look yeah. at the look at what it does to the space that McAllister has to defend, right? So yeah. for example, yeah, so put him put him on the left, for example. So like um when the ball was on that side, we would be we would theoretically be fine because McAllister would be able to go over to that pocket. And you see all that space that Odegaard has to arrive. Yeah, He would have that space, but McAllister would block it off. The problem came when they would rotate the ball and they would find, if you look at where Zinchenko is right now, yeah. So, basically, okay. yeah. So put him in between, in that pocket between Havertz and uh, Martinelli. Right here, yeah. So they would do that. Um, Gabriel would be a lot more narrow. So our like right winger and our eight would also be a lot more narrow too. Like Gravenberch would be shifted over a little bit. Okay. Um, so yeah. what they would do is they would rotate the ball and they would drag out Zinchenko. Or more more often than not, it was um, Zinchenko where Jorginho was and Jorginho where Zinchenko was. But basically, they would just drag out um, Jorginho um, wide for a diagonal on the rotation and they were able to generate a, a free man that way. If you see there's a four or there's like a, uh, if, if Zinchenko is the pivot. Um, or, yeah. So basically they would do something like this and basically how they generated this advantage was they would have Paza with their pivot dragging out our eights, which created that huge pocket. Odegaard would drop in that pocket to see if he could receive. Maka yeah. would have to shift all the way over horizontally to have to deal with it. He yeah. would deal with it, but they would just rotate and they would instantly okay. be able to exploit that. After dragging McAllister all the way to the other side, there was so much space on that. Like, imagine that island that he has to defend that we talk about. 
imagine he was dragged over all the way to one side of that and they just instantly went on the other side and were able to exploit it. And that's how they progressed to play. Um, basically, that was their main progression mechanism against us. Sometimes he didn't even, sometimes Jorginho didn't even have to go wide. Sometimes it wasn't even Jorginho that received, you know, this was like a, it was more so a zonal occupation thing than which player actually received. Yeah. Um, but sometimes George, uh, that, that free player was even able to receive in the pocket. Um, sometimes it was wide. Um, but they were able to progress play against us like that. And I think the reason that it looked a lot worse against City is because City are a lot better at doing that thing where they arrive either side of their center backs and they temporize and they have pausa with the ball. They slow the game down. They bait pressure a lot better. Um, they they really 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 with their pausa they stretch your they stretch you vertically so much like your your vertical your 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 vertical compactness which is basically the the distance between your lines of defense so like the distance between the midfield line and the attacking line defensive line and all that stuff because they have better pausa and they're like more oriented to playing on the ground theoretically like they did a little better job at decompacting us vertically, which is why I think Maka looked alone a lot. But in that City game, we also didn't do a good job of closing the first pocket well enough. Um, so I do I do think we like we tried to deal with it better slightly in this game, and we looked more secure in those ball side moments. But when the ball went over to the far side, like we were cooked. Like there's nothing we could have done against that um, yeah. within that current structure within that current structure and principle. Um, and you know. Okay. We can talk about the the, the knock on effects going forward about like yeah. how it, bro. defending two po- how defending two pockets with one pivot is suboptimal, but you know there's there's ways that we can deal with that, and usually teams aren't good enough to exploit it, but there are teams that will be, so it's something we have to think about going forward. Yeah. All right, cool, bro. I wanted to quickly go back to our not even build up our our settled play, but build up mm-hmm. and talk about the choice behind. Okay, now I actually complained initially in game about why Trent was not central and why it was Gomez, and obviously I got reply, right, yeah, and I, and I got 100%. reply, and 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 I got a reply. Um, I think it was actually from AI who said that it was because um there were no outlets to hit from the center, um, and so to get Trent closer to goal. The best way mm. to get him out wide, mm. so so he can utilize his obviously his his crossing and maybe you know Jota, mm. uh, uh even Diaz actually is quite good, you know making those the dagger runs um mm. to the box. However, mm. it was that that choice, that tactical choice, um, whether or not it was just five, obviously we know that obviously Liverpool didn't have runners and whatnot, but. What do you think about Trent being so wide and essentially being and play essentially being funneled away from him by Arsenal? And um, quickly, I just want to get up a, a clip that I got. This was 26 minute. Obviously, our viewers can't see it, but I mean, but I mean, you can see it. Um, 26 minute. I clipped it when I rewatched the game yesterday, and I believe this is when we switched to a four-two build-up. Um, and essentially, I, I, I liked the fact that. Um, okay, so the difference between the 4-2 and the 3-2 is that with the 4-2, you can basically uh, occupy more space w- with your players and, and essentially you can widen their structure a bit. And so mm-hmm. as you can see you've got Jones and I think that's Jorginho. Uh, Jones, Jorginho and McAllister. Jones and 
Jorginho has two guys to mark. Um, he knows that he he can tell that um, uh, that uh, the ball is about to go to Jones. Although I think Rice does arrive here, but let's see. So I just want to play the clip, yeah. And this All is right. the only time I think in in the second half where we found Trent with ease. Uh, Trent and uh, yeah, Jones turn. I think yeah, yep. I remember which time we're talking. And about. obviously, yeah. Arway cannot a good pass to get the ball. Yeah. Half and then boom, yeah. I think that was probably the only. This was probably the only um, uh, chance or really, you know, potent moment that Trent got. Um, yeah, in the game. Now, looking at that, that move, that does seem very, very um, reasonable tactically. I think the the tactical choice to leave out wide to get in, if we can get him in, or yeah, I think that's a good choice. But yeah, how, how much did we suffer for that? How much do you suffer? Um, so, so I actually think that if you, if you actually watch that sequence back, if you look why we were able to actually build up that time and not previously, it's because when Jones arrived to create the plus one advantage, you actually see Jota right behind Jones yes. arriving at the same time. So yes. basically, Rice wasn't able to jump to Jones. So Jones was able to overload centrally, drag Jorginho away from McAllister. McAllister was able to find Ibu. Or drag their drag Jorginho over, which kind of in general is just dragging their team over to the left. Um, Freeman's on the right. We find them. We find Trent. Boom! It's like that, right? So if that was our game plan, I don't know why. Like if we wanted to put the ball in Trent's at Trent's feet consistently, we should. Like it was a huge, huge mistake to not like explicitly detail the fact that yo, like in order to stop Rice from jumping to Jones we have to like arrive that pocket. So he can't make that decision to go. And when he doesn't make that decision to go, Jones and McAllister are good enough on the ball to be able to play with each other, decompact them um, or force their players to, you know, uh, compact themselves centrally. So for example, their winger would have to come inside or to close the space so that we don't obviously punish them centrally. But what that would do is create space wide for Trent, who is then able to have a couple strides before delivering something dangerous into someone like Diaz or Jota or Gakpo. And if you look at like where our players, where our attacking players um, are, are most effective in transition, given that specific unit that we played, I mean, Diaz running in behind at the back post like that, you know, yeah. or running just general running in behind. We see that a lot, yeah, um, okay. but yeah. I think that, you know, if we think about our where we suffered by not putting Trent Central, um, I think, I think uh, it's 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 an interesting one because if we played Trent Central, yeah, we might be we, able to gain any like. So if we play him Central, obviously yeah. knowing Trent and his traits and whatnot, obviously I think mm. definitely as well. I think we worry Arsenal a bit more if, in regards to. Maybe Havertz and Odegaard maybe don't want to jump as as, yep. as much yep. and to think and, and I think that could help us to progress. Exactly. But then, even when Trent gets the ball there, the point about having no runners is no runners yeah. is, a, is a good point. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like yeah, it's valid, especially um, against their back four. Yeah, yeah. And as well, when you look at maybe the the fact that maybe I think Klopp did say that, that he wanted to have more moments of domination, um, and so. Yeah. Putting Trent in, in the middle, do you necessarily get that domination? You may get more, um, you know, central chance creation. Um, yeah. If you've got runners, obviously, you, you get more, um, yeah, 
content creation. Bro, like, yeah. Don't like, get bro, that's the, yeah. Bro, that's the thing. Like, that's what I was, that's what I was saying. Like, right now, we, like, we, so Trent Central, what it would have done, I think, is it would have temporized our buildup a little bit more. So we would have, like, an extra two, three seconds. Like, who knows? Would that have meant that our players naturally recognize, like, oh, shit, there's space on the left-hand side pocket. Like, let me go in there so it helps. And, like, obviously the domino knock-on effects that has is pretty big, like, tactically on the rest of the team. But I think Trent Central would have helped us temporize a bit. I also think it would have made us a lot more uh, direct. Um, I think given how unsuccessful our buildup was anyway, um, it would just be more of a risk in it. Like, yeah, Trent is a really good passer centrally, and he'd be able to put the ball into dangerous areas where maybe, you know, they would wouldn't be able to transition from but the idea the reality is one like you said not having a not having the Nunez or Salah outlet capacity means that even when the ball did get put into dangerous situations we were less likely to be able to hold it up there and given how dangerous are would they are in transition I don't think we wanted to find ourselves in a situation where um we were like you know we were two to build up with Trent in the rest with Trent and McAllister as a rest defense pivot yeah. versus, um, you know, a transition unit of Saka or Martinelli and Habers. I think the decision to not play Trent central was as much a defensive thing as it was offensive. Cause I think that Gomez and McAllister as a physical unit, obviously is a lot better than Trent McAllister centrally. Um, but that's the thing, bro. Like, like the plan to use Trent wide was like the intent is fine and that works like Trent spent the first four years of his Liverpool career or first first three years of the Liverpool career playing wide like he built his name off of that like you you can see in those situations where he did receive wide he looked insanely threatening but we just didn't do a good job of like horizontally deep yeah exactly we didn't do a good job of horizontally decompacting them which basically means we didn't do a good enough job of dragging their midfield and defensive lines over to the left-hand side to create that space on the right-hand side for him to even go to initially. And the reason we didn't have that space for him on the right and the reason we didn't decompact them horizontally well enough is because we just didn't occupy that left pocket when Jones would go deep. And the one, two times that we actually did in the first half, look where it ended up. We gained territory. We were able to find Trent on the right as a not an outlet, but we were able to like find him as the out ball as the free man. And then you're putting the ball into the hands of our most dangerous creator, one of the most dangerous creators in world's football. And you have Jota, Gakpo and Diaz in the box, which, you know, is, is, is that's like, it's, 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 it's pretty good. Like it's really, it's, I mean, th- typically that's really fucking good, but the problem is against Arsenal, like Saliba, Gabriel white, you're, you're attacking a lot m- more stable of a unit, but like, it's the best we could have done. And that's, I, I think that's the best dynamic we could have possibly created for ourselves. I just didn't think the execution of it was well, was good enough. And I think, I think that using, I don't know, man, I think it's tough. I think maybe the decision to use Gravenberch was the wrong one. And maybe we should have went with a more recognized like four, two, four, instead of using a four, three, three. And well, instead yeah. of using, yeah, or like someone, someone that could play, or uh, this is, I don't know, Elliot, because he's a little tiny, but like someone who could play in the front line, but who can also arrive as a pocket player. Yeah. 
um, who recognizes when to do that. Dude, I, that's why I thought Gakpo would have been perfect for that. I don't know why Gakpo wasn't instructed to follow Jones's arrival when he went, like, when he went. Like, I, it's frustrating because I know that we would have been able to create more situations like that Trent situation if we were just able to, like, arrive into that pocket, bro. Like, you literally see Jota do it. Yeah. And we, 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 you know, we created an advantageous situation for us. And the knock on... Yeah, exactly. And the knock-on effect that that has on the rest of the game is just generally, like, we have slightly more control in the game. They have slightly less chances. They have less chance to dominate and impose their will on the grit, on the game. It makes them rush their positional play more. It just has so many knock-on effects, and it's just disappointing that we didn't execute our positional play on the left-hand side well enough. That's something that we're going to have to learn from, hold on the chin. Um, And, yeah, it is what it is. All right, cool. Just as we're now, as we're like talk about the future, essentially. Um, yeah. We now, yeah. we now have um, one would say an easy. Let me even check our pictures from now on. So we've got, yeah, yeah. One would say that from now up until the Carabao Cup final, we've got an an easy ish. Yeah. Easy- run of fixtures. Run yeah. of fixtures. Yeah, and it's not bad. We, yeah, we we got Burnley at home, Brentford away, which could be tough. Um, depending on if they get back to their outlets, but um, and then yep. we've got Luton. Um, so those are three fixtures until the uh Cowboy Cup. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that, um, again, because obviously, I'm, I, I think from now until the end of the season, I think that we can safely, safely say that, like, the the players or Liverpool as in general as a club are going to be operating off a different psychological drive than other clubs just because of the fact yep. even and so yep I think would you would you yeah so yeah so how do you see just even ignoring these these next three games how do you see the the tower is panning out obviously looking back at our previous 20 however many games that that, that we've played 23 games We've beaten most teams. In fact, we've yeah, we've beaten yeah most teams who we should beat. We beat them regardless of our tactical disadvantages. Do you see that exactly? Continuing? Yeah. Do you see that continuing? Yeah, and that's yeah. Okay, and, and that and, is the biggest. That is the single biggest question. Yeah. Okay, and if so, and so, and, and, look, and so if you do this, so then I then so then by your point is that then so then do you then agree that then. It then essentially, if we are in a tie race, it comes to how we deal with Man City when it comes to Anfield. Um, yeah, I think Man City. Uh, yeah, because what? I yeah, think, and so know. so you know. Go on, go. I was actually gonna say, I was actually gonna say, like the next four fixtures that we have: Burnley, Brentford, Luton, and Forest, and then we go into that City game after that run of fixtures. So I think it's. You know, I, this is I, I'm, I'll, I'll answer your question too, but I think in the short term, um, going into City, having taken twelve from twelve is going to be super important. And then you know, thinking more long term about the, uh, it's just there's so many things. There's just so many things that depend on each other. You know, it depends on how well Arsenal are able to. You know, I, like the thing is, I haven't watched too much of Arsenal recently, so I don't know about all these clinicality issues that people have been talking about. They're still creating dangerous situations for themselves. Um, it just comes down to, for them, how well are they able to execute 
um, those situations that they generate for themselves, how well are they able to operate? How well are they able to maximize themselves at an individual level under the the level of tactical maximization that they're already at? So it's about how well do, do their players take advantage of the tactical setup that they're in, okay, so um, which like- for them, you know, depends a lot about the individual. Okay, fair. So basically about players like Martinelli, maybe getting more goals. Um, Something maybe- like that, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. okay. And um, also, like, I should say like, a big a big thing into all of this is availability and injuries. If yeah. any of the three teams – and, like, I, I should just put out there, I, I don't think that – yeah, it's hard to say, man. It's just, like, our ability to continue – to get results at a suboptimal tactical level is basically keeping us in this title race. Um, I think that our players are so good that it doesn't like we could send them out suboptimally and they'll still be, you know, they'll still generate chances against teams. They'll still be able to defend chances against teams. We're so good in the box and both ends. That it doesn't, I mean, it obviously matters what happens in between, but it matters less for us than for other teams. So I think for us, it's about, Injuries, availability, preserving physical levels as well as as much as possible. Um, And then, you know, here's the thing, though. Like, we just got news about the Shabazzlai injury this morning. Um, And I think that does have big implications for our game plan. If you look at the transition model that we've been employing um, to win games, a big part of that is how much distance and how much ground – Shabazz like covers and eats up defensively to close gaps to compact spaces. Um, a huge part of our ability to yes, sorry, win that kind of chaos battle. Sorry, one. just put in there. Yeah, one thing that I would say, especially in the first game against Arsenal, one thing that I was really, really impressed by is the fact that even though yes, our first line of pressure was easily by a pass, even and even in the game that we played against <laughs> on Sunday. However, the collapsing from all sides. Yeah. Was- it was really good. It was good. Yeah. Players run. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, bro. Yeah. No. 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 No worries. But yeah. No. Exactly what you said. That's why I was. That's what I was actually talking about earlier with how you know there was some like one or two positive like small positive aspects about how well we compacted ourselves on the ball side. Um, and yeah, our ability to maintain the the out of possession levels, and you know, also importantly, one thing one big difference from this year to last year is our press has been significantly better. One, because I think we've incorporated a more, uh, we're a little bit more aggressive with the eights jumping and we're a little bit more aggressive with the last line. So we're not as easily controlled against good positional play teams because we're more willing to go man to man against them. Um, Using, uh, I think the system that we're using now really uses a lot of the right winger jumping inside and then Trent jumping to the fullback. And then it's the back three and a six defending their transition. So the profiles and availability of whoever that back three and the six is, um, and then the attacking transition units they come against, how well those matchups happen. Um, Given Sabazla's injury, and this is big because I think that our ability to um, gain the upper hand and to consistently generate attacking chances for ourselves in those chaotic games uh, or game states, I would say, um, is, a huge part of that is his ability to cover ground defensively and um, stop, snuff out a dangerous or like 
delay a dangerous transition to the point where we were, were able to deal with it. Cause like another thing that's important to mention is because we're so good at dealing stuff, dealing stuff or dealing with stuff like in both boxes, the difference between us being incredibly open as a rest defense and slightly open as a rest defense can change the, can change whether we can see the goal. Like the, the, the goalposts are very swung in a certain way because of how good our quality is. And so Shabazzle, a lot of the time he, he is able to compact up our rest defense um, with just how much ground he covers. And he's able to delay a transition by a second or two, which buys enough time for our team to get back and get into their defensive structure, which obviously makes it almost impossible to score against us from them. uh, If you're, not a really, really good team. So I think for us, it's about the psychological impact of the Klopp announcement on the players' levels. Um, our ability to, given the Shabazzai injury, um, our ability to use control as a way of winning games rather than this, you know, uh, I don't want to keep saying transition model because that's not all it is, but a game model more geared towards uh, transitional dominance than someone like cities or and even a little bit to uh, an extent like arsenals um but you know the fact that we're not going to be able to be as effective in that game state we're going to have to be we're going to have to either find a way to replace that effectiveness in that game state um which is beefing up our ability to regain after a counter press um or we have to improve our ability to win in other game states which is control and I think that Tiago coming back helps with this a lot. If you take a look at it, we actually have our 21, 22 left-hand side back. We got Diaz, Robo, and Tiago. Um, we can Thiago, have the opportunity. What would, you, what would you do about Tiago? So are you going to put Tiago yeah. in the spot or are you going to take him out for Jones? What's so so, it, so for me, it just all depends on the opposition. If we're looking at a game where we need – it, it depends because the thing is that the problem that Tiago solves, which is a problem of control, if he doesn't solve that problem well enough, he's yeah. making the the problem even worse. Because and I know that's like kind of hard to trace, but it, but bear with me. Like if we're coming up against a team who are really good in transition, we're like, oh shit! Like we're also really good in transition, but we don't have Shabazzai. Like we could be playing a bit of a basketball match and, you know, whoever wins wins. And we've done that a lot this year. And because of how good our players are, you know, we managed to win it, but without Shabazzai's counter pressing regainability, you know, our players ability to consistently do that will go down a bit. So then from a coaching point of view, it's like, okay, do we try to increase, do we try to better ourselves in transition and make this even more chaotic and, you know, make it even more risky or do we try to use Tiago to control the game more and play from a more settled point of view? Now, if Tiago is able to solve that control issue on the ball, then we're chilling. We have a nice base to work with. But if even bringing Tiago is not enough, then we could be in a bit of trouble because we would still not be able to control the game. And instead of having someone physical in midfield, we'd have someone like Tiago, who isn't like a bum or anything, but like he's obviously not going to compete dual-wise against the best. Um but that's the thing with our second with with the pocket arrivals that I talked about on our left hand side. We've already seen how in a game like against Arsenal, even having just a plus one deeper isn't enough to control games, um, positionally on the ground. So I think that Tiago has to be used situationally in games where we just really like can't get a hold on the ball or like we just can't get ourselves into the game at all on the ground 
or in transition. Um, Tiago is an easy way of doing that with the ball. Um, so I think that, you know, there's a lot of discussion about our six. Um, I think that I still think Endo comes back in and becomes our six. Um, with Shabazzle out, I low-key think Maka goes to right center mid, which is what I think his original plan was for anyway. Um, this season, he did play there. And then, yeah, and then left center, it just depends on the LCM. It just depends, bro. Like, it depends if we need, if if we're playing a big, if we're playing a top six game and we think that we need more physicality, we go with Jones. If we want more control, if we want more attacking from settled play, if um, it, it all depends on the opposition, to be honest. It really all depends. We would use Jones in games where we feel that, like, we were are going to be doing a lot of counter-pressing and we're going to be going long a lot and we're going to have to do a lot of regaining. Um, we would use Tiago in games where we wouldn't want to put ourselves in that situation a lot consistently and we wouldn't want to take that risk. Um, in terms of playing him at six, um, I think Endo's coming back now. That was my initial, because, and I can't lie, like, although, yes, I do agree that Thiago, putting him at six isn't, like, the B.O. and, like, the saviour that obviously that I feel like a lot of little fans have making out to be. And even mm-hmm. myself, I'm very, very aware that putting him in there, someone, Thiago, isn't the best at, you know, timing his vertical passes at times. Um, you know, he isn't a six in the sense that he not what he does, but he isn't a six in in the sense that he doesn't he isn't someone who looks to help the team progress up the pitch by short passes, short safe passes. He wants to move the pitch. I mean, move the team through the lines through risk-ish yeah. passes. And so putting him there, and then even when you've got maybe Robertson come come back in for Gomez, Trent undoubtedly is going to have to be the person who inverts. Yeah, and Trent as a double pivot together. Is, yeah, it's not. It, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't, to be fair. It it's just over vertical. It doesn't have the physicality to deal with transition. Yeah. It's just not good. It's all yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I do think that, um, yeah, Klopp will have to make a, a few changes. I think possibly, like you said, put him in, put him, putting him as the six in games where, because there are times where we play Maka six and I feel like if Maka could, because there's times where, you know, um, we can get the ball um, through the, the first line of pressure and Maka maybe can't turn or he doesn't have the ability to to um to get the ball and turn and I feel like Thiago in those posi- in those situations helps us get on the pitch much much quicker and much more better. So I think, like you say, I think probably against lesser opposition, I think you probably do put Maka in that right hand side. Although I do have concerns about physicality on that side, but then again, you have got Salah back. Yeah. Yeah, but so it, it, but yeah, I, I think we'll have to, um, you know, have a trade off for whatever we choose. I think exactly. We'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll definitely have to, um, you know, sacrifice something for the other. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna wrap this up, bro. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure hearing you speak. Um, yeah, I've, man, same. I've been meaning, I've been like, I've been meaning to even get you on there for a minute now, and this was like. <laughs> the perfect opportunity um and yeah um people please 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 follow this guy zone occupation on twitter um and also just for clarification i kind of, i feel like our viewers weren't sure so basically when you know when you were when when like in the podcast um vish was actually talking to me and we have like a, a tactical board up on the screen base so that's why i feel like we were 
talking to ourselves and I don't think the listeners knew what we're doing. So, so yeah. <laughs> they, they can they can they can make their own, they can try. <laughs> they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Um in fact, no all you I will I don't know if you can, but if I can, I'm going to link the tactical board in the description of, of the video. Yeah. So, yeah. Once go use it and I'll actually link and I actually I'll post the video the 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 one phase of play where we're able to progress to Trent, I'll post that into the description as well. Um, but yeah, Perfect. call it quits here. Vish, thank you. you definitely, definitely be, be, be back again on this. Um, thank you, bro. And, um, and yeah, man, um, I'll see you later, man. Um, and yeah, I'll, let me just stop recording. There we go. Yeah, that's all done, bro. All right, bro. That was uh, that was good stuff, man. I enjoyed I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. It was fun talking yeah. about. And I think I, I think that like it's cool talking about what we think is gonna.